Kirifano, uh, so good to be with you again this morning, yet again uh, in somewhat of a weird situation and circumstance. Uh, this morning, I just wanted to begin with asking, like, how are you going? How, like, how are you? Uh, I ask that in all seriousness uh, because I think it is so important for us to be aware of like how we are, what's going on in us and around us so that we can be bringing these things uh, to Jesus in the season that we find ourselves in. Uh, a season where again we find ourselves um, faced with uncertainty and the unknown. Uh, we're waiting to see what will happen, uh, holding our breath. Um, we're hoping for a quick and positive result. And so I think it's so important for us to be like, how are we? How am I? Uh, and being able to identify that, to, to know that, or at least to consider that, so that we can bring as much of that to Jesus as possible and to allow him to speak into that, into our being. In times like this, I think it is so important that we remember who God is. Uh, and I love that we find ourselves uh, in this new series just at the right time, it seems. Uh, for those of you who missed last week or are tuning in for the first time uh, because we're back online, uh, we are in a new series called I Am. And the tagline for the series is Jesus in His Own Words. Uh, and it is focused around the seven statements that Jesus made about himself in the Gospel of John. Four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John is the last one that you find, in the, uh, find one in the Bible out of this, the Gospels. And in it, Jesus makes these seven statements about who he is. And it starts with, I am. And so that's what this series is all about. Craig last week talked about and did an amazing job um, around how it is so important uh, to, to let God to define himself. Uh, that to know who he is, we need to let him communicate that to us. Uh, and he talked about there being like a bunch of different ways that we can do that. Uh, firstly, his word, the word of God. Uh, it's super important to, to read it, to, to, to get into it and to allow God to speak to us through it. Uh, but not just that, but to also to be like in communion with him, in relationship with him. We don't just read the word of God apart from God. We read the word of God with God and we let him speak to us about who he is. And also he talked about how it's really important to like have people around us, to be in community. Uh, to read broadly and to, to listen to people who are wise around us and to, to bring all of that back to the Word of God and allow God to reveal Himself to us. It is so easy to let thoughts and feelings and circumstances influence how we see, think about, and relate to God. And so it is especially important to hear from God about who He is in a season like this especially important in a season like this, where again, we are reminded how little we control and how easy life changes without warning. To allow God to remind us who he is in a season of uncertainty and unrest. And so this morning, let's let Jesus tell and remind us who he is, to draw near to him, be with him and to allow him to point out those misconceptions that we have about who he is. This morning, uh, we've read an amazing story about the resurrection power of Jesus. That after four days in the grave, Jesus brings back to life a dear friend that he loves deeply. 
This is also the last miracle that we read about before Jesus heads to the cross himself. Um, And we see a lot of parallels between these two accounts. Uh, This also, up to this point, would be considered his magnum opus, like his greatest work up to this point. Uh, But little did those who watched on know, spoiler alert in case you weren't aware, greater was still to come. So this would have been considered his greatest miracle yet, but greater was still to come. But because of the grandeur of what happens, in a way the bigness of this miracle, we can often miss the depth and power of what Jesus says and reveals about himself in this account. I think that's often what happens in life also. The big things demand and they grab our attention while the deep things remain hidden. Uh, Maybe, just real quickly, maybe that is our experience in this current season. With all the big things going on and the big headlines, all the things vying for our attention, telling us what's going on, consuming our our minds and, and filling our hearts with anxious thoughts or stress or whatever it might be, all this bigness is going on and the deep things remain hidden because they have uh, the bigger things have captured our attention but the deep things are the things we need to dig into we need to go deep to hear from god and allow him to speak to us and so This morning, I want to pay attention uh, to a couple of moments, to some dialogue between Jesus and others as he communicates more about who he is. And the first point that I want to draw out from this account is that Jesus's love is not at odds with his slowness to act. Jesus's love is not at, uh, at odds with his slowness to act. In uh, John 11 verses 3 to 7, we read this. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God may receive glory from this. So, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. As many of you know, um, just recently I was in hospital for seven days. Um, it was only a few weeks ago, and I was in for like mis- mystery pain in my abdomen, and, and my blood levels were all over the place and saying all sorts of different things. And when you're lying there with no answers, it's frustrating to say the least. Um, I was even discharged without really many answers. And so it's like this season of like, what the heck was that all about? What is going on? What is happening in my body? It's frustrating. It's uncertain. Uh, It leaves you in a weird headspace. But while I was in hospital, uh, about on the fourth or it was the fifth night, um, while I was looking over the city, um, I had this amazing um, view of Hamilton City. and uh, I was looking over the city and I was talking to God about my experience and about my frustration and about what was um, going on in me. And uh, a thought came into mind completely out of nowhere. And it was this, 
I am a patient. Obvious, I know. I'm a patient. I'm in hospital. Unless I'm a doctor or a nurse, it's really the only other reason, or a visitor, it's really the only reason that I would be in hospital. But what wasn't obvious was my patience. It was this moment, this, 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 this like epiphany where I, was real, I realized that to be where I was as a patient, I needed to be, well, patient. And in amongst the uncertainty and the frustration of all that was going on and all these unanswered questions, I realized that God had things to teach me, to reveal to me to lead me deeper into yet. At face value, when we read these verses uh, that we've just read, it can seem as uh, seem that um, although Jesus says that he loves Lazarus, his actions say different. Uh, in it, Jesus seems callous and removed almost, and he's like in no rush to get to his friend's bedside who is gravely ill. But what we need to realize though, uh, is that in today's society, slowness is viewed as weakness. I'll say that again, slowness is viewed as weakness. In a world that is obsessed with efficiency and productivity, uh, streamlining and the next, always the next, slowness screams incompetence and inability and weakness. And so if that is how we understand it, if that is how we understand slowness, what are we reading into Jesus's perceived slowness in this story? And I'll leave you with that question. If that is how we understand slowness in a world that is obsessed with efficiency and productivity as, as, uh, as weakness and incompetence, what are we reading into Jesus's perceived slowness? I think that we need to remember that this story isn't just about Lazarus, but firstly about Jesus, and that his love is not at odds with his slowness to act, but rather it is motivated by it. The prevention of Lazarus's uh, death was not the aim, rather the restoration of his life, and in that uh, happening, God would disclose his glory in Jesus and make his love and power known to Lazarus and to Mary and to Martha and to all of the Jews who were looking on at that point. And so I think it's just so important that we need to not mistake the pace of God with his absence. In a season where things seem to be grinding again to a halt, and there's all of this uncertainty. Let's not mistake the pace of God with his absence. That just because things don't seem to be happening, it does not mean God is not with us here. Um, Kosoku Koyama, um, who was a Japanese theologian, in his book, uh, Three Mile an Hour God, writes this about God's slowness. He says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. 
It's a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speeds, since it is the speed of love. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, whether we are currently hit by a storm or COVID or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore it is the speed the love of God walks. I love that. Such a powerful reflection on as humans, we roughly walk around three miles an hour, and that God's love and God's presence walks at that same pace. Let's not mistake God's pace with his absence. All things done in love are done with a slowness, for it is incompatible with speed. One of my favorite quotes from A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God, The Human Thirst for the Divine, he says this, God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves. God never hurries. There is no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves. How good is that? Mm. Let's just breathe in. Let our spirits and our nerves relax and the truth that God isn't in a hurry and that there is no deadline set against him. The second point I want to draw out this morning is this. Jesus doesn't just have the power to resurrect, he is the resurrection. John chapter 11 verse 20 to 26, we read this. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? In this dialogue uh, between Martha and Jesus, uh, we see a thinking that is so easy to have when it comes to the words of Jesus. When we think about the resurrection, we think about something to come, a future hope. And that is exactly how Martha understood it. But Jesus wasn't just here to give his condolences. He was here to show Martha and Mary a radical truth that the resurrection life is also a present reality and not just a future hope. Because Jesus, who is the resurrection and life, is really present. 
N.T. Wright comments um, on this particular passage, and he says this, The future has burst into the present. The new creation, and with it the resurrection, has come forward from the end of time into the middle of time. Jesus has not just come, as we sometimes say or sing, from heaven to earth. It is equally true to say that he has come from God's future into the present into the mess and muddle of the world that we know. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Resurrection isn't just a doctrine. It isn't just a future fact. It's a person. And here he is, standing in front of Martha, teasing her to make the jump of trust and hope. Man, I love that. I love that. Resurrection is not just a doctrine. It isn't just a future fact. It's a person. And he is standing in front of Martha. Man, that is powerful. As followers of Jesus, it can be like so easy to think that Jesus' uh, words are what awaits us. Uh, and that... And in, in thinking that, we miss out on the availability and reality of his resurrection life, uh, resurrection and life now, as we live our lives in him, as the text says. Jesus as our resurrection and life means both a present reality as he is with us and a very sure future hope as we will be with him all at the same time. That is what Jesus being the resurrection and life means. I'll say that again. Jesus as our resurrection and life means both a present reality as he is with us and a very sure future hope as we will be with him. And that is all at the same time. But where things seemed to come unstuck, as it did for Martha and Mary, it wasn't the now. Uh, the present reality of Jesus being the embodiment, uh, the person of the resurrection and life. It is easy to hope for something, or should I say it's easier uh, to hope for something that is not yet than to live into something that seems so beyond us. It is easier to hope for something that is not yet than live in something that, is, that seems so beyond us. But it is possible because he said it was. Because he said, I am. And so when we come to him, believe in and set our lives up in him, we are able to know and experience the fullness of life that is in him. The fullness of his life. But, but, what does that even mean? What does it mean to live our life in Jesus now? And how can we do that? Well, one of the points that I want to draw out, and again, it's in the text here, in this chapter of, uh, of John that we've just read, and, and it seems so upside down, and it is so counterintuitive and uh, countercultural, but, but this is the way that Jesus presents it, and it's this, that um, 
To live our life in Jesus now means that we need to die to ourself. Really simply, to experience resurrection and life, death has to come first. And that is the way of Jesus. That is what Jesus talks about. That a kernel must die so that it can multiply. To, to pick up your cross and carry it. To lay down one's life for another. And ultimately in what Jesus did himself, he didn't just speak about it, but he went forward, uh, he went ahead of us and he actually did it. And he laid his life down for us that we might have life in him. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul describes it, um, describes dying uh, to ourselves as putting off the old self and putting on the new, created to be like God. It is this letting go um, or relinquishing of the false self uh, that we can become our truer selves, who we were made to be in Christ, created to be like God. God. I love that. It's so powerful. And uh, we do this. We do this, this, this act of um, dying to ourself that we may be like, uh, that we may experience the, the resurrection and life of Jesus in our own lives. We do this by setting up our lives in Christ or in Jesus's words in this very chapter, everyone who lives in me. Everyone who lives in me. Our lives uh, are reoriented around and in Jesus. Being with and taking on his life for our own. The essence of uh, this comes, uh, like ultimately, if we were to boil it all down, the essence of what it means to have our life and his life. Uh, and to die to ourselves that we may experience his life. The essence of this comes from being with Jesus so that every part of our lives are in his. Not just spiritually, not just the, the Sunday content, but every part of our lives uh, incorporated into his own life as we give up on the, the, the things that promise life but never fulfill us, the things that draw us in and entice us, the things that the false self pursues, like prestige uh, and, and, and egotism, self-projection, greed, desiring after a whole lot of other things that even if they are good, they are not God. And as we give up these things, as we give up ourselves, we begin to experience more and more of Jesus's life as we be with him. Not just spiritually, but emotionally and physically and mentally, and socially, and financially, and sexually, every part of our lives are redefined by who he is as he shows us how it was meant to be, who we were meant to be, who we can become in him, the resurrection and the life.
after Jesus made this grand statement, as he's standing uh, in front of uh, Martha, he asked a simple question. And I think uh, that this is where we need to start every day to hear this question from Jesus. And it was a simple question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that my life and my way and that my truth is better than any other? That it will give you what the deepest part of you yearns for? And that's not, that's not uh, like a, a way of, uh, of easiness or ease and, and gliding through life, but one of depth and of fulfillment and of purpose as we give up the things that are keeping us from Jesus, be it the sin in our life or the misappropriation of good things in our life, the idols that we cling to, by being with Jesus and experiencing his resurrection now, not just in the future to come. So Jesus asks the question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Let's end this morning there. Let's go to Jesus with our, our thoughts, our feelings, any promptings that we feel that he has uh, given us by his spirit. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. And we come to you as the resurrection and life. We praise you that that is not just a future hope, but that can be a present reality where we experience uh, the fullness that you promised to give in the here and now. That the, there is a beautiful tension here that is both the, the already and the not yet. That there is a sense of um, what you have given us, but there is a completeness that is still to come. Lord, we thank you for those truths. Lord, we thank you that uh, your slowness to act or your perceived slowness, slowness to act is not at odds with your love for us, but that you walk at our speed, at our pace, that we may know you. that we may know your resurrection and you as the resurrection, that we may know your life and you as our life. Lord, we give you thanks for all that you are and all that you have done. We welcome your work and we ask that you would help us to reorient our lives, every part of our lives, not just spiritually, but emotionally and physically and mentally and socially and financially and sexually and every other part, facet of our lives into your life. Lord, we need your help. Lord, we do believe. Help our unbelief. In the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we pray these things. Amen. Kia ora whanau. Hey, thanks heaps for joining us this morning. We really do appreciate it, eh? Hey, just before we uh, we wrap up this morning, I do want to just say, 
that this morning I've talked about some really big stuff. This idea of living our lives in Jesus, being more intentional in what we do and how we do it, and having every part of our lives like incorporated uh, and integrated into his life. Uh, and so I want to say this morning that if this has been something that you're like, man, that is totally me. I totally need to be doing that. I totally want to be doing that. I'm just so hungry and thirsty for more of that. Then please reach out to us. We would love to have that conversation. Uh, you can either email us, uh, email us at office at cbc.net.nz or you could come into Agora. We'd love to have a coffee with you. But ultimately, just journey this with you, uh, to walk beside you and to, to resource you as you do this journey with Jesus. Uh, that together we would be a community, uh, be more intentional about having every part of our lives impacted by the words and the ways of Jesus as we hang out with him more, as we be with him more, and we, uh, we become more like him as a result. So if that's you, please don't let this opportunity go to waste. Uh, we would honestly love, love, love to have that conversation and uh, to see you taking those steps towards God in that way. And if this morning I said anything and you're like, man, I don't even know if I have a relationship with Jesus, then also please reach out to us. We would love to have a conversation about what we're talking about when we say living our life in Jesus uh, uh, and having a personal relationship with him, uh, with him, knowing his presence in our lives. So if that's you also, please reach out to us. We would love to have a conversation with you. Yeah, grace and peace, Fano. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Uh, why not contact somebody if you can, and if you feel able to, to have lunch with them or to go out for a walk with them. Uh, yeah, but anyway, thanks, family. We love you.